Hi, I'm Kim. And I'm Xander, and you're listening to Geek Primecast. The pandemic has deprived us of so much superhero content, especially from the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which has postponed a lot of its Phase 4 productions multiple times due to COVID. There's also the fact that we're in between seasons of The Mandalorian, so Disney Plus wants to keep us coming back for more, and not just those of us rewatching Disney Channel originals or the animated films for nostalgia. Enter WandaVision, the latest live-action Marvel show, which is off to a weird but interesting start. It wasn't just a really fun watch, but it gave us so many clues as to what the future of the MCU might hold. So if you haven't watched it, go watch it right now because, whew, boy, there are some spoilers in this podcast as we try to answer all the questions that WandaVision poses. Yeah, and I'm excited to kind of tease out what we think is going to happen in this show based on the comics, based on clues based on casting from upcoming mcu movies let's jump right in not just one but two episodes came out this past friday january 15th for the record marvel is planning a total of nine episodes for this season with individual episodes coming out every friday each week which marvel fans seem to be handling a lot better than fans of the boys oh that's mean where's the lie though all right that's fair the first episode, directed by Matt Shackman and written by Jack Schaefer, show Wanda and Vision in a 1950s Bewitch-style sitcom right after they move into a quaint suburban town called Westview. It's got all the trappings of that 1950s-era sitcom episode vibe, from silly misunderstanding about the heart on their calendar to wacky hijinks that they think they're trying to hide from a neighbor, Agnes, and Vision's boss, Mr. Hart but with a sprinkling of self-awareness of a something's-not-quite-right-here feeling. Now, in the second episode, we see Wanda and Vision desperately trying to fit into their new surroundings. Wanda joins what appears to be the neighborhood social club slash PTA, where she meets Dottie, the Regina George of the town, if you will. Um, And then, meanwhile, Vision tries to join the Neighborhood Watch, which turns out to be just a bunch of husbands eating pastries in the library while gossiping about each other. So Vision gets offered a piece of chewing gum, swallows it by accident, and those wacky hijinks ensue. This eventually culminates in an almost disastrous magic act at the Community Talent Show where Wanda has to use magic to make their real magic look like fake magic, if that makes sense. It will make sense when you watch it, if you haven't already. So let's talk about how we kind of feel about the show, what our overall reactions are. I know you have a lot of feelings about about the acting, about the story. So why don't you go ahead? Yeah, I first and foremost think that Elizabeth Olsen is doing such a wonderful job drawing her inspiration from comedic actresses like Mary Tyler Moore, Elizabeth Montgomery, and a little bit of Lucille Ball. I think she mentioned all three of those actresses in a recent interview about WandaVision. Um, so it's and it's it's just so great because Scarlet Witch is actually such a dark character with a really dark storyline. And so I was worried about how all of this was going to play out. And then, you know, from the previews, we saw how campy it looked. And I was like, well, how are they going to make Scarlet Witch campy? Um, but I love I love that there's this looming dread despite all the humor and the campiness because you're entertained, but at the same time, you're hungry for more plot and for more clues to be revealed. Um, so, yeah. Um, and then I think one of my favorite scenes um, from these first two episodes was the dinner with Mr. and Mrs. Hart. 
Um, and the hearts asking Wanda and Vision about their lives before moving to Westview. And Elizabeth Olsen, I mean, talking about her acting, I mean, she just has this masterful moment where she's confused and then she zones out and then everything's just quiet and still. And then that was an early clue that something is wrong and this may all be playing out in Wanda's head as she represses these painful memories of the past, which we all know if we watched Endgame, what that is. Um, so yeah, and then Mr. Hart chokes, which you can only assume is by some sort of magical influence. It's just some really um, convenient timing. And Wanda very calmly instructs Vision to save him while his wife is seemingly caught on repeat. So that was just such a haunting scene in the middle of all this idealism. Yeah, that one definitely struck like struck me as as very um as like a big sign of there's something weird going on here because even uh Elizabeth Olsen's affect even changed where she dropped the the kind of Elizabeth Montgomery act that she had been doing and went back to Wanda Maximoff from yeah. the MCU. She gets really pensive. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's this yin and yang that just intensifies throughout the first two episodes that remind us that this is not a story about a bunch of superheroes trying to save humanity from an evil villain, that this is, in fact, a, a story about grief and one woman trying to save herself from reality, I think. So I'm, you know, not to, not to go too not to follow too dark of a path, but um, other things that I enjoyed was I really am enjoying the character of Agnes, the next door neighbor. I think she isn't just a really great comedic foil, but I have a feeling that she's going to become important um, as the plot unfolds. Well, when we get to the Easter eggs, I have a couple theories about her. Interesting. Yeah. But as for uh, what I liked about, about this, I mean, number one, I like when, I like when shows try something different. Um, I, I mean, this felt very community in the way that community yep. would really be very meta. Uh, and I thought that they just, as that series unfolded, they did an amazing job with it. Um, also seeing heroes in a different kind of light where it's not just, you know, uh, I, I very much like Daredevil mm. and Punisher and Jessica Jones, but something that's not set against that serious background of, of where we have to do this fight and win this thing. It's, it's, there's clearly some sort of instigating force here, but we're able to kind of also enjoy the callbacks. I particularly enjoy the camp that they're going for. Uh, I, when I was, when I was a kid, I spent a lot of time at my grandparents' house and my, my grandparents loved watching uh, Bewitched, I Dream of Jeannie, Gilligan's Island, all that stuff. And this really felt a lot like that. Uh, I'm, I'm glad that they're starting to turn it more towards the intrigue and feel of a modern show, but it looks like we're, we're, we're hitting that point at, at the end of the second episode where everything turned to color. Yeah. And it felt very much like, um, the, the first time I saw bewitched in color. Yeah. Cause I remember from, uh, in, in the mid to late sixties, it was in black and white and then late sixties. And then it's, and in the early seventies, it turned to color. And so, uh, I kind of felt like they're kind of going for like a decade hop, which I don't know if they're going to keep this like changing every few episodes is a decade of TV thing. But I mean, hey, we might get to the 90s, get some kind of gritty NYPD blue uh, homage or something, uh, though. I'm very doubtful that will happen. <laughs> I would like that, too, actually. Uh, one thing I do find very interesting is that Vision is a lot more human in this series than he is in the movies. And I don't think that's by accident. I don't think Paul Bettany is just taking different 
liberties with with the acting. I think it's very on purpose. So without getting ahead of ourselves, this kind of tracks with the source material, uh, where in the 70s and 80s comics, Vision acted very mechanically uh, because there was this control crystal in his head that limited his reactions to things. Uh, in, I think it was uh, uh, issue 254, I think, of The Avengers, uh, somewhere in the mid-80s, he, um, he ripped it out of his head uh, just before the second Vision and Scarlet Witch limited series. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say that whatever form Vision's back in here, the Soul Stone being ripped out of his head by Thanos may have something to do with this behavior. So speaking of source material, um, I just kind of want to get a little bit into what WandaVision could possibly be based on. So director Matt Chapman and head writer Jack Schaefer, we mentioned them before, um, said that they didn't directly adapt WandaVision from one specific plot, but that they read tons of comic book source material and kind of hacked together um, something new that made sense within the current state of the MCU. A lot of people have been pointing out the similarities so far uh, to the House of M storyline, the 2005 limited series by Brian Michael Bendis, who's a favorite around here, and Olivier Koipel, um, if that's how to pronounce that. Um, so like WandaVision, House of M is built on the foundation of tragedy and grief. House of M begins after Wanda has a nervous breakdown and ends up killing three of the Avengers, one of them being the love of her life, Vision. Um, and then this nervous breakdown involves her altering reality with her powers, and Professor X actually comes in and uses his mind control to keep her somewhat sedated. And you're like, what? Professor X? Uh, the issue brings together both the Avengers and the X-Men because even though Scarlet Witch is part of the Avengers, she is technically a mutant. So I'm not going to spoil House of M for those of you who didn't read it, but let's just say that suddenly all those crazy Spider-Man casting rumors make a whole lot of sense. Uh, also, Marvel acquired 20th Century Fox, which does include the X-Men, so there's that. Yeah, and while a lot of people have been pointing to House of M as a source. There are a couple others. Um, I'm going to go through the, from the furthest away from from this exact storyline to the what I think is the closest. So there's the Heroes Reborn storyline, which starts with this mutant kid named Franklin Richards, who gets kidnapped by Onslaught, uh, who is a sentient psionic entity created from the consciousness of both Professor X and Magneto. Uh, the Fantastic Four, the Avengers, the X-Men, and some of the other Marvel heroes try to save him. But there are a lot of casualties on the way, including Tony Stark, Wasp, and Scarlet Witch. Uh, so with the with the Marvel heroes mostly dead, the Marvel universe universe six sixteen in shatters. Uh, Franklin uses his powers to create this pocket universe where everyone who died in that rescue mission can live on. Uh, it was uh, a pocket universe because it existed just in this little blue marble that Franklin carried around with him. Uh, but the pocket universe isn't exactly a duplicate of our normal universe since it's based partially on a kid's memory and partially on his imagination, which I'll say as an aside led to one of my favorite Captain America stories where mm -hmm. Captain America confronts Bill Clinton and Bill Clinton implies that Nixon resigned the, the, the missing minutes from the Watergate tape and Nixon's resignation are because of the Captain America project and not because of Watergate. Interesting. So just some cool stuff to check out. Uh, there's also the 2016 uh, Vision comic book, uh, the limited series that where it followed Vision and his synthesoid family. Uh, 
they there's a little bit of a parallel there where they lived at their address was 616 which marvel takes place in you on earth 616 uh in wandavision they live at the address 2800 which the mcu is earth 2800 in the marvel multiverse so but what i think is the most direct source material uh is the 1982 to 1983 and then 1985 to 1986 the vision and scarlet witch limited series so the first one was only about four issues the second one they came back for 12 more issues and there are a lot of easter eggs that we're going to discuss that come from that limited series vision and wanda moved to the very real leonia new jersey which implies along with the mention in episode two of hackensack that this fictional town of westview in the show is in the Manhattan suburbs of North Jersey. So let's talk about those Easter eggs. Uh, So one thing that Marvel has conditioned um, us, the fans, uh, for is looking for Easter eggs. So we're pretty good at it, I'd like to say. Um, Clues, other deeper meanings. uh, There's just so much to read into Marvel, and I think that's the fun of it. Um, So there's plenty, plenty to parse from just the storyline of WandaVision, from the questions Vision's boss asks at their dinner party that Wanda and Viz seem unable to answer, to the weird toy helicopter that everyone's talking about, to the voice on the radio, that really eerie um, scene in episode two. But there's a lot to talk. um, There's a lot of talk about the commercials that pop up in the show. Yeah, the commercials in WandaVision are pretty important, and not just as references to other characters. They, along with other clues, kind of point to me thinking all this is happening inside of Wanda's head. So the first commercial is for the Toastmate 2000, which is built by Stark Industries, and it's got this menacingly blinking light while it toasts the bread. Uh, So the product, as every Stark thing is, is, has the name Stark plastered on it, And it's a subtle reminder to Wanda and Pietro's appearance in Age of Ultron uh, when they told the story of Sokovia being under attack by an enemy using Stark-made weapons. Remember, Stark Industries, when it was a weapons developer, just sold to the U.S., to everybody. Everybody had Stark weapons. Um, And that was one of the things Tony had to confront in the first Iron Man movie. So uh, they tell a story about how a Stark bomb landed in their house. Uh, One bomb killed their parents. Another bomb landed a few feet from their faces after Pietro pulled Wanda underneath a bed uh, or underneath the table, rather. Uh, and the house come, came crashing down around them, but the bomb never went off. And Wanda kind of like recounts the trauma of that experience by saying that as the rescue crews were sifting through the building trying to get to them, she was convinced that the that the falling bricks and settling rubble was going to set the bomb off. And her line is actually, we waited for two days for Tony Stark to kill us, uh, which is pretty ominous um and you know toaster is uh, meant to burn something yeah. uh so uh the other commercial is for the strucker watch and it's more of like an intrigue and secret agent kind of commercial uh and it's a pretty clear reference to baron von strucker the scientist uh who experimented on wanda and pietro to make them scarlet witch and quicksilver uh originally as agents of hydra which kind of is a uh analog to their first appearances in the marvel comics where they were in the Brotherhood of Mutants under Magneto's control. Uh, So all this and the voice on the radio asking Wanda, who's doing this to you point, I think pretty clearly that this is all taking place inside of Scarlet Witch's mind somehow, some way. Yeah. I'm totally with you on that. 
Um, so let's now go back to that helicopter. So the helicopter is the first thing that we see in color in WandaVision, which happens in episode two. So at this point, again, it's pretty clear that this reality is not the same reality from Avengers Endgame in which Paul Bettany's vision gets killed. I mean, our first clue is surprise. He's alive. Um, <laughs> Just a little. Yeah. But also this reality is in black and white and they're living in this weird suburban dream and they can't seem to remember anything. Thing that happened before they walked through their door for the first time. So what does that have to do with the helicopter? So obviously, being the first thing in color, it looks like this suburban utopian reality is about to get shattered. Um, whether they're in another dimension, another timeline, or like you said, in Wanda's head, um, or in the Soul Stone is another theory. Um, it's yet to be determined, but the cracks are starting to show it you know, in episode two and reality is starting to break in. Yeah. When you just now mentioned that it was the first thing that we see in color, I just realized it's very, uh, very wizard of Oz feel about that with the Ruby slippers and everything else being black and white. Yeah. But this, this helicopter was not Ruby slippers. It, had very Iron Man colors, I feel like, right? Yeah, so that was my first thought. Uh, since the helicopter was red and gold, yellowish, um, with a silver underside, so my mind immediately went to Iron Man or at least Stark Industries, but we'll see if that theory bears any fruit, especially because the logo on the silver part of the helicopter appears to be the Sikorsky aircraft logo, real company. Um, and uh, both Stark and Sikorsky... Couldn't have manufactured the helicopter. But Tony could have bought Sikorsky. the helicopter and from Sikorsky. Maybe maybe Stark Industries doesn't have a helicopter division. They don't I, make everything. I mean, they have a helipad on top of Stark Tower. It just means you have a helicopter. Just because you have a garage doesn't mean you make cars. That's fair. That's that's a great point. But we'll we'll see what we'll see what happens there. But I would assume if Stark Internet, made... feel free to tell me I'm wrong. Yes. But bring proof i mean my my proof would be i stark really likes putting stark on everything so agreed um, absolutely i totally i totally agree with that really out of character to share a logo with a but the iron man costume does not say stark anywhere on it it doesn't and this thing is iron man colors so maybe okay he's a transformer no uh (laughs) (laughs) but keep going on your on your on your helicopter i mean okay in, in a much less debatable um point the symbol on the nose of the helicopter was very clearly the sword symbol which yes. Xander will explain indisputed in a little more in, in a little more detail in a little bit um the helicopter also had the number 57 on the door so the running theory is that this is just simply a nod to vision's first appearance in marvel comics avengers volume one issue 57 which was released in 1968 um i hope it's more than that but even if it's just that nod i mean they're that's kind of a thread that's running through the first two episodes is that, um, you know, clearly the creators of the show are, are you know, nodding to the source material mm-hmm. and, and saying they did their due diligence. They read all the source material. And while you're going to see some things that are surprises or that have never happened before, that they did draw inspiration yep. um, from from that source material. So and the final thing, um, which is a kind of big old question mark for me, is the helicopter had the number three zero zero three on the tail which right now seems to mean nothing. Um, But if you guys want to look into it and let me know your theories, then I am so happy to hear it. So um, hit me up on Instagram at geek.prime. Let me know if 3003 means anything to you. Um, And yeah. 
we'll, I, I we'll could shout swear I thought it meant something. And I was racking my brain. I went flipping through a bunch of a bunch of Avengers trades. Um, like I just I I really thought that that meant something. There's no no uh, Earth three zero zero three that I know of. Um, it's uh, I feel like I should know it and I just don't. But hopefully, Internet, don't let us down. So what do you think the deal with the helicopter is? So here's the best part. So the running theory is that obviously it's not a toy, uh, but an actual real helicopter that may possibly be shuttling a very real Monica Rambeau. So if you remember, Monica Rambeau was played by the adorable Akira Akbar, and she was a daughter of Maria Rambeau, Carol Danvers' old friend, from her time in the U.S. Air Force. So we know for a fact that an adult version of Monica Rambeau will appear in the series, played by Tiana Paris. So Tiana Paris is also set to play adult Monica Rambeau in the upcoming Captain Marvel 2 film. So it's all starting to come together. Which, which makes me wonder even more why she introduced herself with a fake name when she met Wanda at the PTA slash social club meeting. Oh, that's she introduced right. herself with a fake name. And she even, she even took a second when Wanda introduced herself, she like took a second to be like, I'm not Monica. Anyway, there's plenty more weirdness from that beekeeper who pops out of the sewer wearing a sword logo on yeah, his back. Yeah, what was that about? That was super creepy. And there are these guys in Marvel Comics who wear these beekeeper suits, but they're not with sword, and they don't actually have bees buzzing around them. So I was a little confused. But Wanda seems to know what his appearance means since she very emphatically and in her Wanda Maximoff rather than WandaVision voice says no. And suddenly everything rewinds, which kids look it up. VHS tapes. Um, <laughs> and she rewinds everything to her and Viz back in the living room. And that's when she announces she's pregnant or Vision realizes she's pregnant. Um, and it's it's just it's a little weird that. She does that. She changes it from that to a very uh, a, a lot happier of a kind of scene than this creepy guy coming up out of the sewer, which is weird anywhere, regardless of whether you're in New Jersey or not. <laughs> um, and and then getting to uh, getting to Sword. So Sword is an organization that starts out as a division of Shield. Uh, its acronym stands for Sentient World Observation and Response Department. Uh, the interesting thing about SWORD is, like, obviously from its name, it monitors extraterrestrial threats. So more of a Captain Marvel and less of a Scarlet Witch and Vision. Uh, but it may have something to do with why Monica Rambeau is there, since that could be a Captain Marvel tie-in. Maybe they've been kidnapped by the Skrulls, even though the Skrulls are kind of good guys in the MCU rather than in the Marvel comics. I I don't know, but I mean it obviously points to the fact that there is a lot going on this show that in this show that we just don't know about yet. And it's all super exciting. So what about that animated sequence that starts episode two? There had to be something in there. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people were pointing out this blink and you miss it weird looking helmet underneath the floorboards when animated vision is phasing through the house doing his morning routine. So if you if you slow it down and pause it right as vision's phasing from the second story, I think bathroom to the first floor, uh, there's in the floorboards between 
uh, between floors, there's bones, cobwebs, and this helmet that looks a lot like the one wore, worn by the villain Grim Reaper. So he figured pretty heavily early on in both runs of the Vision and Scarlet Witch comics in the 80s. He seems like a bit of an obscure villain. What was his deal? So in the comics, Vision is created when Ultron 5 takes the body of the original android Human Torch. So not uh, not Johnny, the, the Human Torch that you know from Fantastic Four, but the original Human Torch from 1930s, 1940s Marvel. And that Human Torch has been deactivated. Um, and he imprints the mind of Simon Williams, also known as Wonder Man, into that android body, but tweaks it a little bit so it's not exactly Simon Williams. Uh, Williams is later kind of resurrected as just Wonder Man, um, and there's like a lot of like weirdness around this character because he's like the original Wonder Man is kind of dumb and kind of racist, so there's weirdness going on there. Regardless, okay. um, Grim Reaper is his brother Eric Williams, and he is through the 80s, obsessed with Wonder Man and with Vision, uh, constantly trying to kill both of them since he feels that they stole his brother's soul because they're both versions of his brother, but not his brother. Uh, there's also some backstory about like their the Williams brothers' business and one of them embezzling money. And is it was it Eric who went to prison for it or was it actually Simon who Eric has built up as could do no wrong? So there's a lot of baggage there. Um, Eric ends up throwing himself off a off a cliff. It's weird. It Ooh. there's a lot, there's a lot, but nobody says dead in comics. So he's obviously just not dead, dead. Um, but we know that the MCU version of vision was created from a combination of the Jarvis program, Tony's mind and Bruce Banner's mind. So that can't be why the grim reapers helmet is there, but Ultron did work with grim reaper in the second run of Scarlet witch and the vision and a tie in with West coast Avengers. So maybe there's an Ultron thing coming in here. Uh, and it could be nothing more than an Easter egg, but I feel like with what they're doing with this story, they're going to find a way to tie the Grim Reaper in to this series somehow. So what else can we get from the comics that seem to be hinted to in the show? So a couple of things. First, Wanda becoming pregnant, like she does at, like she's implied to at the very end of episode two it's actually very similar to the way she gets pregnant in the 1985 to 1986 series when she got pregnant through magic. As one does. Yeah. So uh, there's some speculation online also that the seven people with major speaking lines, other than obviously Geraldine, who we pretty clearly know is Monica Rambeau, uh, are significant. I've seen some people speculating they may be Satan seven, but those guys were more of a Captain America enemy, originally the seven sons of Satan. Uh, I think that these folks could be Salem seven, which is a group of witches who are all the grandchildren of oh. Agatha Harkness, one of Scarlet Witch's mentors. So early in the um, second run of this, of the vision of Scarlet Witch, Agatha gets burned at the stake by by her grandchildren. As one does. Yeah, you know. Vision and Wanda get kidnapped, or captured, really, by by Salem Seven when they stumble into New Salem, and the Seven plan to sacrifice them by burning them at the stake. They obviously got away. Any other Easter eggs? 
Yes, Glamour and Illusion, the names that Wanda and Vision call themselves during their magic tricks, are actual Marvel characters who, again, show up in the Vision and the Scarlet Witch 85 to 86 run. Fun. Uh, they're, they're two people that actually have superpowers, but they become magicians so that people would brush off their powers as trickery and sleight of hand, sort of like the way Vision and Wanda do it in the show. Uh, in fact, the first time they appear in the comics is just after Wanda becomes magic pregnant, and they're they're there to protect uh, Wanda and Vision's home from a bunch of intolerant Jersey guys who plan to firebomb the the pair's new home, which comes after their first home in Leonia got burned to the ground. So not doing a lot of PR for Leonia. And also, they said New York was bad in the eighties. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, this uh, this series is when Marvel retconned Magneto as Wanda and Pietro's father. So no solid predictions. But between that and what you had talked about earlier about House of M and Professor X being the one to make Wanda comatose, uh, maybe this is a way for Marvel to finally bring the X-Men into the MCU with a bonus Sir Ian McKellen and Sir Patrick Stewart appearance or Michael Fassbender and James McAvoy. I don't know, insert Deadpool joke here. I'm sure the fans would love that. I would love that. Yeah, and and one more Easter egg I noticed. I know there's a ton, but this, this show is full of them. Uh, in the comics, the midwife who cares for Wanda and Pietro as infants is a cow named Bova. And she's given a human intellect and motor skills by the high evolutionary. And at one point when Wanda's in the kitchen, there's a container labeled Bova Milk. Hmm. Is that just a playful nod to the source material or a clue to something bigger? See, that's what's so fun about this show is that you never know. And there's so much to talk about and there's so much to unpack and there's so much to interpret. Yeah. And we would love to hear your theories. So let us know if we missed any Easter eggs and what your theories about WandaVision are. Uh, you can reach us on Geek Prime X on Twitter, on Instagram, geek.prime, on Facebook and YouTube. Uh, and make sure to reach read the features and articles anytime at geek-prime.com. Uh, thanks for listening. And please remember to rate and, re- and subscribe and review the show wherever you get your podcast.